0: Hello, welcome back to the Spirit of 2016 podcast. It's the start of a new international qualification campaign. Always an exciting time, and especially an exciting time when we've got Michael O'Neill, one of our greatest ever managers, back in the dugout. It's an extra exciting time when I can be joined by Ben Harshaw and Stuart Cherry to preview this one. Uh, We're going to stick mainly to San Marino, I think. We will touch on Finland. We will see them as a bit of a double header, but we will focus on this San Marino game as we will have a Finland preview coming out at some point. Um so Ben, I'll start with you. First of all, happy Mother's Day. Secondly, how are we feeling about this? Um how are we feeling about this th- this game really? It's it's almost a little bit no-win for us, isn't it? It's you know you expect to beat San Marino. I'll go through some of their statistics in a moment. We've beaten them every time we've played them anything other than a win is a disaster and you'd expect a relatively convincing win, but more than anything, a good performance, I think, to kick off the second coming of Michael O'Neill.
1: I'm not going to lie, Andy, your your Mother's Day thing threw me a bit there. Um, it was the first time someone said Happy Mother's Day to me, but there you happy. go. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is one of those ones where there's all the lose and not that much to gain, other than the fact that it's the start of a new era as such um, and to gain to gain confidence to gain, especially given we'll touch on our squad, but that it's an inexperienced squad. And the only thing is we can gain experience uh, both in terms of training together, in terms of getting minutes on, and hopefully what should be a relatively, I don't like to say it, but simple, simple victory to to kick off a campaign. Absolutely. Stuart, Uh, are you sort of feeling about this one? I mean, do you think it's a good first fixture for us? It
0: should be three points on the board in theory. We should be top of the group on, um, on when is it? Yep, about 11 o'clock on Thursday evening. And um, We know that it doesn't always go that way, but we should definitely win this game. And I suppose given, as we'll come on to talk about, some of the injuries and players out that we have and the fact that we're obviously breeding a new team. It's been three or four years since Michael O'Neill last took charge of a game for Northern Ireland. I guess having one of your two fixtures being what should be a gimme, isn't the isn't the worst thing, but you know, it's, we we still need to go out there and, and win the battle and and win the game, and we can't go in with any complacency. Otherwise, we could be uh, one of those famous stories, couldn't we?
2: Well, out of, uh, well, Andy, good to good to see you again. Out of um, two hundred and sort of eleven countries in, that play in FIFA, San Marino are uh, notoriety in the sense that they are two hundred and eleven. So, in the entirety of world football, if you're going to play one country and the opening match of any qualifying campaign, you'd be happy enough for San Marino. Um, That being said, this is probably the most dismal squad that we have been able to assemble, I think, in maybe 10 years. And when I say, when you look at the players that we have out, but you also look at the players that we have in, and the lack of game time, the lack of form that those players actually have, that we've got in our squad... Um, I think the thing is with San Marino, it isn't as much about them necessarily, and I'm not being disingenuous to them. Um, It is about yourself. And I feel last time we went there, I think we didn't score until the 70th minute with arguably one of the best teams we've had for a generation. I was there that Um, night, yeah. Oh, you were? I I was was there, yeah.
0: Really good, really good, uh, really good day. Lovely place, by the way, San Marino. I'm really jealous of the away fans that are traveling over, but... I suppose something we can learn from that night, Stuart, is that Michael O'Neill did something that he's never done, as far as I can remember, in his Northern Ireland management career, which was he went for four forwards. And if football was as easy as if you're playing a rubbish team, you just load the team with attackers, then we could all make it as football managers. But that really backfired that night. I mean, not only did we not score a goal until the 70th minute, we didn't really create any chances. And I was looking up at the clock and thinking... You know, this could this could very easily go wrong, but he makes a change and he, he gets it right in the end, which is good in-game management, but certainly I don't think he'll make that mistake again.
2: No, I mean, I remember that game, watching it in Legends in, in New York in midtown, and it was, you know, a very, very anxious and stressful period. I <laughs> think Conor Washington missed a number of chances, as he tends to do, before Big Josh got on in the act and then Steve Davis denied him a hat-trick. But I'd right. out, of, out of 211... Teams, it home or away, you have to take this um, as 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 a, as a game where you need three points right now. I couldn't care less about the scoreline. If we win one nil with an own goal in the last minute, I'm not going to be happy, but I'll take it. and We'll move on.
0: Certainly will. Just some stats in San Marino here. They've only drawn four games in their competitive history. Uh, lost every other game. No wins in. European, qual- uh, European Championship qualifying or FIFA qualifying. They've won once, a 1-0 win over Liechtenstein in 2004 in a friendly. Their draws came 1994 World Cup qualification, 0-0 at home to Turkey. Won all in 2022 World Cup qualification uh, against Latvia away. Euro 2016, they drew 0-0 with Estonia at home and in the Nations League, obviously, where they're playing teams around their level for I guess the first time. And I guess that's one of the benefits of the Nations League, but that's for another podcast. Nil nil draw with Liechtenstein away, nil nil draw with Gibraltar at home. Another couple of draws in friendlies in the last year against the Seychelles and San Lucia. And all their players play in the local Summer and Ease League bar a smattering in the lower Italian divisions. And that's mainly tiers three, four, and five. So Ben, I guess when we look at other nations, just to put it into perspective, you know, we look at the Cyprus team, for example, or the Lithuania team when we played them, you see one or two players in Serie B and you think we we can get at them and that could be a, le- uh, a weak link. I think Bulgaria last year came to Windsor playing with a left back who played in the third division of Italian football and we, we ripped him apart. So, you know, the, the, I guess there's no players really to be wary of as far as we know here. But it's the fact that it's a, it's a team sport and all they will be doing in training is defending, working on defending, working on shape. It's all they do. They're obviously not very good at it, but you know, you never know. And how do we need to kind of approach it? Obviously we need to be attacking, but we need to be cute and we need to be sensible and we need to be patient. I think in this game.
1: Yeah. Patience, patience is the key. Um, You know, Obviously, we we'll go in there and we we'll try and get the early goal, but that doesn't necessarily come as that match you're, you're referencing, you know, shows us that you've got to be patient and 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 nine point nine times out of ten it will come, you know, in these games. So we need to be patient, but what we need to do is we need to be quick, we need to be clever. I mean, sadly, there's not many games that we go into where we know basically all our players are better players um than the oppositions this is one of those occasions so moving the ball quickly uh trying to drag them out of the shape that they will be so rigidly practicing as you've referenced um is is key um you know and, and and being being quick quick on the ball quick to move the ball um and you know patience 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 but but I have every faith that Michael Michael will have the plan to 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 open them up. Um and hopefully if you do get that goal, they're not necessarily going to come out immediately, but at some point in the game they might come out a little bit, opens it up, and potentially, you know, gives us the chance to to try and get that second or potentially third.
0: There were many concerning aspects, shirt, of the Last Nations League campaign. One of them very much the fact that our defensive solidity and our shape that was so brilliant under Michael O'Neill seemed to have completely gone out the window. Now, that's something we can maybe mm. talk about as a concern in the build-up to Finland, but certainly something that's a, a concern in the build-up to San Marino for me is how poor we looked in our build-up and how much we lacked a plan in our build-up in the games against Cyprus and even Lithuania at, at, at home where we we, we, we struggled, mm. and we toiled. Now, if it is a plan, in the a lack of a plan in the build-up, as I think it was watching that Baraklough team, we didn't seem to have any sort of patterns of play or any idea how to play and all too often there was that diagonal ball over to Josh McGuinness or Kyle Lafferty, which it was so frustrating in so many ways because, you know, a poor pass or whatever overturns possession. But that diagonal ball, if if unless you get it absolutely spot on, it's a goal kick to the other team. It's another 30 seconds to a minute out of play. It's the ball hoofed right back into your half and where you start. And I thought Northern Ireland showed a real lack of nice in their buildup against the smaller teams under Ian Baraclough, So do you think that's something Michael will, will have to focus on on these days? He has the team together before we go to uh, San Marino.
2: It's a great point because that is the reality. Like we have six wins in our last 30 matches. We're not coming to this with any form whatsoever. Uh, well, we are horrible form. Um, and I feel that one thing that Michael is very, very good at, he is very organized. He is very structured. He gets a plan. He gets a shape. Um, I think tactically at times, I, I would have questioned sometimes some of Michael's game management at times. I think we, we could all criticise, you know, sometimes shown too much uh, respect to opposition. Um, but I do feel that one, like a hallmark of his um, managerial campaign the first time around is that he typically set us up to beat the teams that were below us or in around our level. And I think he did that very effectively. I think he even slightly make... above
0: our level when you consider Czech Republic or yeah. Norway. who are miles above us now, but at the time, maybe slightly level at above the time. us. Especially at yeah. Windsor, we always got the job done. And that's one of those things you absolutely have to do if you're going to qualify for a major tournament.
2: No, you're absolutely right. I would say he, he never really had the scalp of a top 10 European nation. But I think anything from sort of 11 to, to 40 or to 50... We were comfortable. We didn't fear teams in on that level. Um, and I think against San Marino, the reality is this. They don't have the, the wonderful Andy Shelva up front anymore, score of eight international goals, including that winner against Liechtenstein. But, you know, I think there are two strikers, two players in their team or three players in their team have got a goal each. But they will cause issues. They will, you know, they'll they'll throw a ball into the box and it's just discipline and structure. It's interesting what you said about uh, Barraclough in his tenure. I think in one of his first games was it away to Romania? We scored that late equaliser, which was a long diagonal ball. we flicked it on and Gavin White pounced. But few and far, between, you know, did it work. So um, I think... The other and thing you don't with, mind with, it from a
0: set piece, especially from that area. Which early, see, yeah. set pieces for Set pieces from that area or free kicks from that area in any way effective. So you don't mind that last minute against Romania. But if we're doing it constantly against San Marino, like we were against Cyprus, then we will have issues breaking them down and it could get a little bit Do- nervous.
2: The only issue we're gonna have, Andy, and I'm sure we'll come on to this in a bit, is midfield. It's not the most creative looking. You know, and if we were you know, referring to the game uh, four years ago where you had Davis in midfield and he was pulling strings. I think we had Oliver Norwood in midfield that night as well. Um who do we have at the moment? You know, you're gonna have George Savile, who's not the most creative in midfielders, and you have Paddy McNair who can get on the end of things, but Again, like he's probably our, our main fulcrum that's going to provide that attacking uh, option for us. In midfield, and been playing centre-half
0: at club level for two or three years now.
2: And when he has played, he's been in and out of the Borough team this year. So I think, look, Michael will bring a degree of stability. He will bring a degree of far better organisation and calm. Um, so I feel that, and actually probably defensive is probably our strongest um, area of the pitch based of the squad due to the injuries and suspensions that we have, el- or the injuries that we have elsewhere. But yeah, he'll he'll get us organized. He'll get us calm. But the big thing I think you talked about as well is set pieces, both offensively and defensively. I didn't feel we were organized against uh, under Barakoff in the slightest, and he admitted that. So I think that's what uh, Michael will do, and he has done effectively.
0: I think we've said countless times in this podcast, the infamous Barraclough quote of the fact that they didn't actually work on attacking set pieces, which is such a contrast to the likes of Michael O'Neill who had Austin McPhee in there. I don't think he was officially named set piece coach at the time. He is now, or he was at Aston Villa. I'm not sure if he's still there. He was under Gerard. I think 80% of our goals came from, I think it was him and Stephen Robinson who really focused on those set pieces. And that's going to be crucial for us as well. Not only is it going to be crucial for us against the likes of Finland, Slovenia, Kazakhstan, and uh, those teams, even Denmark, then, you know, where it may be a little bit tighter and we need to find that breakthrough from somewhere, it might, you know, if you can get one or two goals from set Piece against Samarito to open the floodgates. that can be very important. But I want to have a look at it from a little bit more of a whole group perspective now. I know we've done podcasts on this. In fact, I don't think you have, um, but we did the reaction to the European Championships draw and we obviously did the Michael O'Neill podcast. We've talked about this, but I just want to, I'm just interested to hear your thoughts because and there will be people listening to this who are saying that us talking about qualification is premature. And of course, Michael in his first stint needed two years to get everything together before he really created a, a really strong and all-conquering, well, all-conquering and inverted commas Northern Ireland team. But a good Northern Ireland team, I think, challenges for qualification in this group. And I think that's that's what I would that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see a challenge. I'd like us to still be in the mix going into those those last games. And obviously it is the top two. There is no playoff that comes through the Nations League. We're not going to be anywhere near the playoff for that. But Finland, Slovenia, probably on balance. A middle-of-the-road middle Finland or Slovenia team finishes above a middle-of-the-road Northern Ireland team. But a good Northern Ireland team can, can challenge for those. And are you optimistic that we can challenge for at least that second spot?
1: yeah um it was the three of us who did the the live draw um podcast and i was optimistic then and that was under management that i had no optimism for so i don't know where that came from so i am now more up, optimistic that we will be uh we'll be better organized and and i, I give us a chance going into games um that will have a plan that will have a structure even when we're talking again about those set pieces that were those marginal gains is something that i know that Given his past, Michael will be working on securing for us, which quite quite clearly wasn't wasn't a plan for, for the previous management. And I'm not, not going to go into that because believe me, I've spent plenty of time talking about that on these podcasts oh, as the listeners will know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and I'm trying not to say the pragmatic word more than this this once. But um no, I I I I'd want to see us being competitive. Um, th- this draw was a favorable draw. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, it could have been much, much worse. I Trying to be optimistic, but I almost feel like this draw, given the change of management, has probably come one qualification campaign too early. You know, had, had we had a World Cup one now, a little bit tougher chance for Michael to build, bear in these new players that are clearly, clearly coming on the scene um, and then going into a second campaign, you know, um, and it, in a draw like this, I would really be giving us a great chance. I, I expect us to challenge. I really do. Um I would say it's probably unlikely that we will qualify, um, but not out of the realms of possibility. Um, so I, I I feel like this is also going to be good, even if we do just fall short. There are games in there that we are, I don't like to say, it, but we're going to be winning games, which is a mm. good feeling for young players. And that, you know, it's you know, you look at the you look at the players that came in. You know, a Shea Charles, a, a, a Connor Bradley, um, Trey Hume to a lesser extent, but still they came into the squad. And they've never had that feeling, um, at all of, of going in thinking, here we have a chance here. They're probably going turning up the games recently and going,
2: let's try and keep the scores down. Quite frankly, um. Ben, so ben, i was going to say, yeah. If you look at the, the if, sorry, Ben. i was just going to say, if you look at where where the where the countries are in say European rankings, you know that are around us, Denmark are yeah. 11th, Finland are 28th, we are 29th, Slovenia are 30th, and Kazakhstan are 40th, 44th. So Finland. Northern Ireland and Slovenia are all separated by one place in terms of the European rankings. So it gives you an indication, to your point, that we are going to be in the mix one way or other, or at least we should be in the mix one way or other. And if we're that
1: if we're that close after the last couple of years of of failure, it shows that you know if we get into a good good frame of mind and we get you know winning winning games and feeling good um, and and organised, quite frankly. Then you know maybe we're maybe we're ahead a couple rather than behind you know by by one. Um, so it is, it is a good group. It's competitive. You expect Denmark, although they had a terrible World Cup, you expect them to run away with it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But you know your home games are going to be crucial against against the likes of Finland um, and Slovenia. So and it's it's whether you can go away and you can you can nick a result on the road or it, it, it comes down to Michael's last campaign. Remember we had those four games we had to win, uh Belarus and I'm I'm struggling to remember who, who, who yeah, Estonia And we went there and we got the job and there were there were there were late there were late winners by Panny McNair, I remember. Um but but Michael had that instilled in us that we are capable of going mm-hmm. there and getting a result, which I think is half the battle with us, you know, to to have that belief that has been lacking. And I think him just walking back in into the place will will instill the belief in terms of the players like Paddy McNair and things who he's had before. But also those young players will be looking and, and seeing maybe it seeing a different seeing a different um mood in, in in the players that do know Michael. Um and also you know feeding off that all being well.
0: Any advance on that Stuart Ben says unlikely that we'll qualify. I'd probably agree with him <laughs> Maybe if Michael needed taking this side right the way through, you would say 50-50, or even we'd be favorites to qualify. And I guess the answer to that question is going to be how much has Barakloff blooded these players through? He's obviously thrown, I would argue quite carelessly some young players into certain games and, and, and been reliant on them. But if 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 their confidence hasn't been completely knocked by that, then it may be one of those cases where you know Connor Bradley's now ready to come in and hit the ground running in a qualification campaign. Same with Shea Charles, same with your Daniel Ballard certainly is now. There's no doubt about that. And you can, you can go on. You know, it's, we can't compare it to Michael O'Neill's first stint because a lot of these players he's managed at international level. Okay. They're a few years older, but also some of the young players who come through aren't coming through for the first time, albeit Michael hasn't managed them. They're not coming through for the first time. So Ben obviously, obviously famously uses the word pragmatic about Ian Barraclough, but Michael is pragmatic in a, in a good way in the sense that he will use these players he has and these players that he knows. And he will also use the fact that some of these young players coming through have got international experience. And as much as yeah. he didn't like Ian Barraclough as a as a in-match manager, um, he hasn't left this Northern Ireland squad in the absolute worst place in the world.
2: No, he hasn't. And like, there's, there's a few things I thought was quite uh, telling, I suppose. I felt under Barraclough, we definitely looked defensively a lot more fragile than we than we did do. And I think that we have a, a knack, and I'm not even sure where it started, but I really think it was from that Bosnia game back in 2018, the very first Nations League game. Um, uh, Billy Peacock-Farrell's, I think, it was at debut when we give that horrible yep. goal away, the Cathcart the cath mix-up with him.
0: I think it's Lewis' debut like, like,
2: as well that day as well, isn't was it? It? Yeah. it? Was it? Yeah. I think we had multiple goals disallowed we should have buried them
0: absolutely murdered them
2: that game to me started a a trend of us conceding horrendous goals if you look over the 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 nations the three nations league campaigns that we had if you look at the 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 world cup qualifying campaign we had bad goals conceded to bulgaria bad goals conceded to switzerland where we were caught on the hop but it was interesting i thought it was interesting looking at in 2022, we scored 11 goals, but seven out of those 11 goals came in the last 10 minutes. So we were scoring lately at goals. Remember, we were saved against Kosovo, We were saved against Cyprus um, when uh, McGuinness and Johnny Evans were popping up with goals. So there was something about it. Like the, the players were fighting, but again, those are against countries we should be getting results against. I can't see how we qualify based off current form. And I feel that there would need to be some big improvements in terms of the setups, um, in terms of the availability of players, because I think that was something that Dodge dogged um, Barraclough towards the end. You said he carelessly threw players in, probably, but I don't really see what other choice he had because of the amount of people that weren't available. Um, and third, based off everything, if we finished third based off everything we've gone through over the last couple of years, you would say that's respectable. Um But to me, the biggest... We don't want to be waiting another five or six years to qualify because the World Cup now is such a difficult competition to qualify for, for European countries. The Euros are our best chance. So we didn't qualify for 2020. We're saying we're not going to qualify for 2024. We're hoping 2028... You know, I'm getting close to 50 at this point, you know. Um, so I, and I, you could get a draw like
0: we got in 2020 with Germany and Holland, you know. You, you know, and I, I you I think, have to take
2: the chance, you have yeah. to take the chance.
0: And I think that was that, uh, the IFA were quite open about the fact that they were actually going to keep being Barraclough on, but they thought this was too big an opportunity to see it as a, as, as a kind of transition period. Uh, That's you it I will,
1: it will, it will feel, it will feel like a opportunity you know given the group you know because you don't know what you're going to get in the future you know you could be looking at a spain and a a germany or whatever so it will be a missed opportunity it's just whether there there are there are circumstances to mitigate it given the change of manager given where we were how low but but you know you will look back in 20 years time and go look at that group you know you'd bite look at that hand off for that um to be honest with you it's a I don't know whether you'd agree with me, but I think I'd nearly rather have this group than the group we qualified from. Um, it's it's uh, for twenty sixteen. There's not much between them, put it that way. Um, yeah, I know Greece obviously Greece fell off fell off a cliff at that point, but going into it, there you know we were looking at Greece and Romania. I would have personally said to have been to have been qualifying from that group. Um thought yeah, third because so, third got a playoff that time. Yeah,
0: I don't think Michael Even was open about the fact that he he said that to the, the group of players. We in for third. And um, Dave Dunn thinks Denmark are crap. By the way. So more on him uh, on Thursday night after the San Marino game, but yeah, he's got an interesting <laughs> little theory on that. Um, I haven't told you about this, guys, because I knew I knew Stuart was going to do all his research, and by the sounds of things, he already has because he's named San Marino's top scorers and his number of goals at international level. <laughs> um, but I've got ten Sorry questions here. Sorry, yeah. I've got ten questions here around San Marino. Uh, there's one non-football one, and then I think six of them are to do with our games against San Marino. So um, Ben. Straight shootout, five questions each. Do you want to go first or
1: second? <laughs> um, I will
0: go second. Go second. Okay, <laughs> Stuart, first question What's the population of San Marino? And I'll allow you 10,000 either way
2: 30,000. Yeah,
0: 33,562. So that gets you a point. One nil to Stuart, Ben. Can you see my
1: white flag? Read, right, right, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ben. In what decade um was San Marino's first? official FIFA match so their first either World Cup qualifier or European Championship qualifiers in what decade uh,
1: that
0: was the 70s it was not it was the 90s 1990 what was it really wow Switzerland okay. yep so 1-0 to Stuart. Um, you've already mentioned the Stuart. so you're going to get this only wins in April 2004 <laughs> who was it against Lichtenstein Lichtenstein's correct 2-0 <laughs> Ben uh, heaviest defeat was in September 2006 it was 13-0 who was it against? England. It was not England. Do you know, shirt? Germany. It was Germany. It was Germany. Thirteen nil in San Marino. Two 0 So you can you can almost take this in the next couple of questions. I'm um, shirt, how many times have Northern Ireland played San Marino? One, two, three,
2: four, six.
0: It's not. It's four. Um, just in the two, uh, just in the twenty ten qualifiers, and the mm. I think was it was twenty eight. I
1: knew that
0: one by the way. There you go, right? So Ben, you've got a lifeline here. Mm-hmm. Um, who scored Northern Ireland's first ever goal against San Marino? It was in the thirty first minute in October two thousand and eight. So the twenty ten World Cup qualifiers.
1: Um, Chris Baird. It
0: was not Chris Baird. He never scored for us, did he? Mm. Mm. did he not 79 games
2: 79 games no goals do you you know sure
0: no you won't get the point for
2: it but I won't Um, so that was at home when we won 4-0 I want to say Kyle Lafferty it was David Healy oh wow okay so So Stuart name
0: one other scorer that night Steve Davis Steve Davis is correct the other two were Grant McCann and Kyle Lafferty so 3-0 Ben you can't win but let's get you on the board Um, Question eight, which Northern Ireland player scored his first goal against San Marino in the away fixture in February 2009? It was the third goal that night. Mm. So his first goal for Northern Ireland, but Northern Ireland's third goal in the night. Uh, Brunt. It was Chris Brunt. Well in. Ben's on the board. It's 3-1. Two questions left, one each. Uh, Question nine, Stuart, who scored a quick-fire double off the bench at Windsor Park against San Marino in October 2016?
2: Oh, God. Um, Quick fire off the bench. Quick fire fire double off
0: the bench. October
2: 2016.
0: Bloody hell. Um, Lafferty? It was Lafferty. Well done. Four out of five for Stuart. (laughs) Ben, last question. How many goals have Northern Ireland scored against San Marino? So you've already told me it was four games. In those games, how many goals have we scored?
1: Eleven, it's
0: fourteen. Four nil, three nil, four nil, and three nil. So shirt, you take that one. Four one, a little bit unlucky with the questions there, Ben. Maybe if you went first, or maybe I could have balanced them out slightly better. I did just I don't think it would have mattered up. if I'm honest. Right, fair play. Right on to Northern Ireland. Um, we've done the San Marino chat, but I mean, I think this is all about Australia. Really. This is about how we set up. And as yeah. shirts already mentioned, the, the the some of the the players we have out. So it's, it's a really really weak on paper Northern Ireland squad. We know. That Michael O'Neill has made weak squads look good. We we have gotten results with so many players out in the past. The first thing I want to say: we've three new faces in the squad. We've got Sean Goss, who's been seems to have been touted around for, for quite a while, he was quite highly rated. I think he was at Manchester United when he was a youngster, went to QPR, has been on loan at Rangers. So, Ben, maybe you can give us a bit of an, an insight into yeah. what you saw from him. Obviously, you've seen him in um in uh, in the Scottish League for Motherwell, where he's played all 29 games this season. Before we do that. Did I mention the others? Isaac Price and who's in mm-hmm. the youth teams at Everton's got a couple of minutes actually for the first team this season. And Cameron McGain is an interesting one because I remember this name, and I looked up why I remembered this name, uh, and it's not because he's <laughs> with uh, Tiffany Watson from in Chelsea. Although I did not expect that to write that in the agenda so fair Play, um, it's it's because in 2015 he turned us down. He rejected us. Mm-hmm. Michael Neal called him up, and now at that time he was highly rated. So we can laugh about the fact that he thought he was going to get in the England squad, but he was, was... it Norwich or Chelsea. He was, I'm not sure where he actually started out, but Derby
1: was he not at one point? He
0: was at, he was definitely at Cambridge, because I remember they played United in an FA Cup tie, and everyone was really excited about him, both at both like in English football and from a an Northern Ireland point of view. Um he's also played for Luton. He's now playing for Ustende, which I've definitely butchered with the pronunciation of in Belgium. But my point in this is George. and because there will be people definitely probably 50-50 in this, depending on your persuasion, but some people will be the fact that he turned us down. No, sorry, can't be bothered. You turned us down once. Don't play for us. But are we really in a position to to take that approach? I'm not sure where your principled stance lies.
1: Uh is that to me? Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not too proud to be taking a player. Um, if he, if he's good enough, at the end of the day, I, c- I can understand it. Um, if he if he really genuinely harbored hopes of playing for his. Birth Nation or whatever, um, you know, and, and and thought that he was going to be good. That shows show, shows the ambition. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, he's come away. He's he's gone back, and he's happy to come back and play for us. By by, by the looks of things. Um, so again, I don't think we're in a position to be turning down players, as you say. But but also, you know, it's it's perfectly reasonable for for somebody if they really think, okay, I could make it in England. Whether that's realistic or not it's another thing. But no, um, I don't have a major problem with it. And I suppose, sure, we can't be naive to the fact that,
0: let's be honest, if George Savile or Jamie Ward or Jamal Lewis or Bailey Peacock Farrell were good enough to play for England, you know, they're not playing for Northern Ireland for a burning sense of Northern Irish identity. It is it is a career choice. I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with international football being a, 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 a stepping stone for somebody's career in the club game. But in reality, mm. that's the way it is. And these players do make this squad stronger. And this squad would not be good enough purely off Northern Irish-born players to qualify for a major tournament, in my opinion. You may disagree. Um, but as, I suppose, you know, you can by all means touch on that. But also, you know, Sean Goss has been touted for quite a while about coming in. I know Isaac Price is eligible for the Republic of Ireland, England and Germany as well. And obviously McGain's actually going to be in a squad for the first time. And I guess this just shows the pull uh, of Michael O'Neill and the the prospects of working under him and him bettering them as, as international footballers.
2: I think the only two players in the history that I've followed the national team. That have that don't have a Northern Irish accent, but are as Northern Irish as the three of us uh, were. James Quinn and Ian Dye. I was um, going to
0: go with Jamie Ward because I loved him, but
2: oh, I loved him! Kind of I loved him. You, he is, but I think that Ian Dye and James Quinn. You've you've heard them talk about it as as kids. All they wanted to do is play for Northern Ireland. So, um, you don't get that to a degree, um, um and to the same extent. But look, I, I think it's great. You know, we, we need players in. It was actually disappointed in one sense that we don't really really need him, per se. I was hoping Michael Smith would have come back in from Hearts. I know Liam Boyce is now back is available. He's now back in contention, yeah. Yeah, I heard a really good podcast with him the other day. He was talking about it, um, and how he's just he's really keen to get back in. It was family circumstances. So, yeah, like Sean Goss has played 30-plus games this season for Motherwell in all competitions. Cameron, Gain has been in and out of the Ostend team. But... Great. Anyone that can come in to to add, um, add a bit of quality, put a bit of pressure on those. And Isaac Price, you know, nineteen year old, in around the fringes of a Premier League team, along with Shay Charles. who's not. who's uh, in the squad. Is he? Shay Charles is in the squad as well. Yeah, We and... need those players. You know, they, this is so yeah. important. I think to assimilate them into the team. It's interesting, though. I think in the press conference, when Michael was challenged, um, he basically said that. if his cutoff now is League One. So if you're in League One, you're being yeah. considered. But if you're in League Two. Because a lot you're of not. people wanted
0: Smith in the squad, didn't they, Paul Smith, who's had a great Smith, season at Leighton Orient?
2: He was. And I think certainly if the if, we, if the game, if this had been a November international, um, based off the form that he was in sort of at the start of the season up until Christmas, Paul Smith would have been in the squad. I think he would have broken that. But with Ethan Galbraith and Alfie McCallum I'm actually glad in one sense those two young lads 21-22 they need to be playing for the club uh, and with not a lot of games left in the season I prefer they were there it's interesting Jordan Jones another player who famously rejected us but then subsequently took a call up has been left out as is Liam Donnelly I know he's just coming back from another injury setback um, Tom Flanagan I thought was an interesting omission as well um, seems to be playing and, and playing regularly but it's great. We, we need strength and depth. We need players that are going to come in. Um, I, I hope they're going to be uh, more Jimmy Ward and less Paul Patton, but um, let's, let's, let's just see. Um, but yeah, I think Sean Goss has been mentioned for about four years now. Um, and I think, is this his first official call up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did you mention Owen Toll as well? I, I, I'm not sure if you. Oh, yeah. I didn't actually mention
0: Toll. No. I just saw because he came through the setup, I was more yeah. talking about players who came in, but yeah, there's Toll who's yeah the, sorry yeah, first yeah. time. Um, yeah, absolutely. Quick few statistics on some of the new players that are in here. Obviously, we don't have an awful lot of detail on Isaac Price and how much we're gonna read into it playing in the younger development leagues. I don't know. That's up for debate. Um Sean Goss, I actually haven't got written down who he plays for. Who's Goss play for again? Motherwell. Yeah, she's not bad, Motherwell. thanks, Stuart. Um no. Motherwell, no? Yeah, she's not bad, thanks.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm sure she's proud. I'm sure she's proud right
0: now. This is the thing about Zoom. Um, having a bit of crack over Zoom sometimes, you when you speak over each other. People get muted. Anyway, no, I don't um, think
1: that would have worked. No matter whether. Don't blame well, Zoom for that one, please. Well,
0: let, let me know. Let me let me know if that was funny, please, listeners. I should have um,
2: said. I should have said. I'll just ask her. Haven't her. We'll, <laughs> we'll edit that out. We'll edit okay. That out. Anyway,
0: um, he has no goals with three assists this season. He started all twenty nine of Motherwell's league games and he seems to flip between a number six and a number eight in terms of his position obviously number six is one that we come on to talk about when we talk about the midfield is a problem position for us and has been for well certainly since the start of Michael O'Neill's reign obviously Davis is playing there but he's not necessarily a a sole number six that wouldn't necessarily be his strongest position Cameron McGain, 27 as we've said plays for Estende in Belgium he's got four goals and two assists in 18 games, which is quite a good return for a team here in the relegation zone in Belgium. And I suppose we can have the debate all night as to what is the level of the Belgian league. I'd say it's below Celtic and Rangers, but it's probably above all the other teams in Scotland would be where there's I three, fall
2: down on it. There's three teams in yeah. the quarterfinals of the two European competitions.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think they gave Rangers quite a, I think it was Union saint give gave Rangers quite a few problems. In, yeah. in one of the qualifiers. So, yeah, so, you know, decent level playing against decent one, players. 1-2-0 one in the
1: first leg and, yeah, the 1-2-0
0: on the first leg. 3-0 at, at Ibrox, wasn't it? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as I say, yeah. he bent us off. So, a few injury problems um, this season, but, as I say, good return for a struggling team. Um, I, we don't want to do the goalkeeper debate because it comes down to stuff we've said in every podcast. Is between a, a better goalkeeper who's not playing or a slightly worse goalkeeper who is playing every week in League One. Obviously, Peacock Farrell isn't isn't playing much. Southwood's playing every week but in League 1. Hazard playing every week in Finland. Um he's got a bit of European experience under his belt as well. So hasn't, just played what... since a, hasn't been since November though. No that's the problem. Is it but that's that's due to their league isn't it?
2: Yeah, so he he, he was player fans player of the season, played nearly 40 games in Finland, Played and won the league championship, played the Europa League. Came back to Celtic in November and, and
1: hasn't
0: had a sniff since. Oh, Okay, I thought he was still there. Actually, I think um, I think he was
1: he he was tipped to go out on loan and but he actually wanted to stay at as well.
2: Which yeah, he turned down Ross So the ambition of
1: wanting to play, you know, yeah. is, is important.
0: Fair enough. Um, right, I, I don't want to do the debate of the playing goalkeeper and the sharpness, but I just, literally just want one name from everyone. Um, who would be your goalkeeper? Ben, go first. Uh,
2: Billy, Billy. Sure. Bailey.
0: Yeah, Bailey as well. Okay, three out of three there. Second thing I want to talk about is what formation do we go for? Because we've chastised the Barclough's three at the back, but it actually wouldn't shock me if Michael goes for it in these games. We can have the conversation about the wingers and the fact that you need to you need to kind of hang your hat on, on two wingers. Obviously, in, in, in 2016, we hang our hat on Jamie Ward and Stuart Dallas mainly. Um, we've obviously got like McCourt and and players like that still kicking around. McGuinness can play out wide, but for me, I'm, I'm looking at our, our wide options, Stuart, at the moment. We've got Gavin White. He's had a flurry of minutes for, for Cardiff this season, but nowhere near uh, the team recently. Matty Kennedy's back in the Aberdeen side, but not pulling up any trees. McMenamin yeah. obviously has played recently for Ian Baraclough. And Michael O'Neill obviously included him in the in this squad. He wasn't particularly keen on Irish League players back in the day. No. Obviously, Shane Lavery came in towards the end of his tenure, but I know he, he wasn't too keen. Full time now though,
1: makes a difference. Absolutely, yeah, yeah.
0: and I've I've heard he's linked with a move away to the to the yes. NBA This morning as well, ten goals in the Irish League this season. You've obviously got Connor Bradley who is is playing there for Bolton. Do you want to hang your hat on him? I guess my point is, if I think he'll do a little bit of a mixture of both, like he did in his first stint, but if he was to yeah. hang his hat in four through three and completely bin three at the back off, you'd have to be hanging your hat on two of those. And I'm not even sure there's any kneeled on um, winger there who I would like to hang my hat on. The other nope. issue with the wingers' shirt is that they all seem to play right wing, and not of them seem to play left wing as well. So, something to consider there. Do you th- what do you think he's going to go for for these games formation? I,
2: it's it's really difficult. I mean, to your point, just on the wide players, Gavin White, three league starts all season hasn't started a game at all since January first. at fifty eight minutes, and uh, Matt Kennedy hasn't started a game in a month. So, these players are not coming into it with any form of um, form. Um. I think Conor Bradley. The formation I put together was sort of a four-four-two slash four-three-three, with Conor Bradley out wide right to accommodate Trey Hume uh, at right back. Um, I feel that that's absolutely essential. You know, Conor Bradley's played over forty games this season. He's been involved. I think he's got five. Five goals, is it? I'm sure you've
0: got the stats there. Yes, um, he has got. Where is he, Bradley? Six goals, six assists in all competitions. Eleven yellow cards, which is mad, by the way. Where is he picking these up? Is he just nailing people like he did to Ricardo Rodriguez that time?
2: Yeah, um, it's uh, and if if Trey Hume has a, a few more nailing people like he did uh, James McLean, I'd be quite happy yeah. too. But he's I been brilliant. Really, the way
0: the fans absolutely love Trey Hume since he's come in. The Sunderland fans love him, and he's obviously playing at a higher level than Bradley. But for you, do you accommodate both and and get Bradley? I, in the I, I think.
2: I, I don't see how you... I think you have to. If you're picking on form, you're picking on ability, um, but you're also picking on Bradley now has got... Uh, what has he got? 10 internationals. You know, he, Conor Bradley is one of the first names in the team sheet at the moment, and I think you have to accommodate him. Um, and I think Trey Hume, Owen Toil, they're doing brilliantly respect, for the respective teams. Um, but yeah, to, to, to have that balance and to have that natural width and pace that we have oh that we're that we're lacking sorry that we need uh conor bradley starts for me.
0: So Ben Stuart's going for a, a, a four at the back formation there. If you're gonna go for to go down the route of accommodating Trey Hume and Connor Bradley. You can't really go for a three at the back. The only real position that both of them could play in that formation would be at the right wing back. So if you're going to do both of those, you kind of have to go for a four. Um, I didn't expect to do the winger shot so early, but if you were, if you are in agreement with Stuart about that formation, who would then you be
1: playing on the left? Right. Well, I am in agreement. i be playing a back four. Um, and I found it very hard to to separate uh, Hume. Um. And Connor Bradley, but I would like to see them both getting minutes over the two games. I wouldn't personally be playing them in the in the same team. Um, I, as I said, found it very difficult. I would probably go Hume slightly because he's playing a better level. I think overall, better player is probably Bradley, or is going to be a better player. Um, but but playing consistently at a better level is is the reason why I go there, Hume. Um, now playing at the left, are we talking of the back? Well, you're playing four at the
0: back, aren't you? I'm playing 4-3-3. four 3 three. Four three, three. so who's your left winger in that formation then?
1: I am going Matty Kennedy playing off there, giving him a chance. That I know I understand that he isn't isn't exactly lighting it up at Aberdeen and stuff, but I I think it was Michael that first brought him into the into the fold, and he never has really got a consistent run with us. Um, and I and I feel it's something that I'd like to see, particularly against against Marino, you know, being a weaker opposition, and feel like it
2: might be worth a try. Can um, I ask just with that? I suggested I had Shane Ferguson with question marks on either side. I either had Shane Ferguson at left back or Shane Ferguson in left midfield. And Where he's been playing it, it this did,
0: season and doing really well for at the Championship But for level, me, really has, well. he's,
1: he's our... Is our only option at left back for me? Like he really is. I, I just cannot see how we don't play him at left back. Well, is there a? Is there a? It would be very
0: Michael O'Neill. I know it will be particularly popular, but it would be very Michael O'Neill to put the arm around Jamal Lewis and try and get him back to that form which he he had and on under the early days when he came through under Michael O'Neill.
1: I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But I think he needs to be playing some form of football. Um, you know, I, I I hope that Jamal gets a move in the summer and, and, and is playing regularly and will be our left back for, for years to come but I just think at this minute in time I think it sends the wrong message as well if you're playing somebody that just isn't playing.
0: My concern over that would be if you go for Conor Bradley right wing and Shane Ferguson left wing you're essentially playing a right back and a left back as your wingers against San Marino. In theory that's negative but both of them have, have, have got, well Bradley's got that searing pace, Ferguson's got that really good delivery into the box
2: Yes, so, that's so, why I no. would prefer him further up if, if, you,
0: if you reduce it right the way down to right-back and left-back playing in wing positions, you could see it as negative, but I'm not entirely sure it would be, and I don't think I'd mind
2: that being played. You know, obviously we need to wait until we see it. Yeah, I, to me, this is the, the balance. It'll be interesting to hear people's back lines, but... I think if, if you're looking at it, you, you need that natural width. Like one of the worries that we have been effective over the years is by getting balls into the box, be it from set pieces or be it from open play. And I think what I like about Shane Ferguson's delivery, he, he can whip those balls in you know, into that, that sort of between the penalty spot and the six-yard box. and I think he does that very, very effectively. Uh, and Conor Bradley has just got some searing pace. So to me, having those two is natural width. I also think what enables you, if we were under pressure, they can close in a bit and offer that level of support. So I I think Shane Ferguson is reality. I think he's a left midfielder who's played left back. Um, I don't think he really has got a, a hard, fast position one way or other on that side. He's shopped he's and chains throughout his career.
0: And if you were to go four four two, I think there'd be concerns about your two in the middle there, especially given the midfield problems more against Finland than against San Marino. But I suppose for left midfield rather than left wing, and I know there's there's very little yes. arbitrary difference between those two positions. But in theory, would suit Bradley and Ferguson slightly more. Interesting to see who to hear who your right back is then, Ben. If you're not if you're not convinced on playing Human and Bradley in the same team, but want Bradley on the right wing, then who's your? Are you thinking sort of a narrow right back? Just no, I, I wasn't.
1: I wasn't going Bradley on the right wing.
0: Oh, I sorry.
1: It, I wouldn't accommodate. I wouldn't accommodate both in the same team. Um. So, so my, you know, I would be playing. It, it's a real toss up. It's a tough one. I would start with Trey Hume in this game particularly. Um. And and, and potentially, I would like to be. I'd like to be switching. You know, after sixty minutes potentially, and and seeing them both or. Uh, one starts one game, one starts the other. Um, although, obviously, if one starts the first game and makes a real impact, you're not necessarily going to want to do that. Um, but it's a good problem to have for us to have two quality right backs at this minute in time. But no, I, I don't, I, although I think I agree completely with, you know, good Bradley in terms of being quick, uh, good crosser of the ball and stuff. I think, as you've pointed out, we have options on right wing. Whether they're wonderful options is maybe another debate. Um, but but I, I think it would be Wrong to, to to maybe shoehole him in just just because we we, we need to get him in. Um, so I think need, there needs to be a fight and a decision made between those two at right back for me.
0: Oh, we've lost Ben there for a second. Okay. Gone for you sure yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Gone for me,
0: um, far away, okay. and then what we'll bring it. it
2: is,
1: Bradley. They'll still be able to use their pace and be um, be 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 the right winger at times, but also give us that defensive. Um, Help! Yeah. Did I freeze there completely?
0: You did, but Zoom did that thing where it like takes everything you said in the five seconds that you froze and then says it really quickly. So yeah. All right. Let's, cool. Um, cool. Let's, uh, like let's P- see if people. Can Peter Griffin about. said the
2: alphabet that time one time on Family Guy. If you never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um oh, dear. It's funny. I was—I and I just—I was going to throw out what my back line was. But do you know what? Soon. Do you know what I want you to do?
0: Because right. the conversation has sort, sort of gone all over the place, and that's my fault. But yeah, give, give me your back fours and your front threes, and then we'll just have a midfield conversation to finish us off.
2: Sure, no problem. So my, if I'm Thank starting, you. Bailey um I'm just doing it just say four four two. This is what I put together. Bailey, and then I then have right back um, uh, Trey Hume. I had uh, Daniel Ballard, Craig Cathcart, and Shane Ferguson. That was my back four. Okay. Um, with the midfield of Conor uh, I'm sorry, and up top, I had Josh and Dion Charles.
0: Okay. And the, as was, that's one of the, the options that we don't want to consider in the wing is Josh McGuinness, but the reality is that he is an option for us there. He can be an outball. He can put it up to him, and he may win a header. Um, It's never been particularly effective for us, as far as I, I can see, that tactic, but you know, we'd be we're kidding ourselves if we if we think Michael's gonna completely rule out playing Josh McGinnis on the wing in either of these games. Uh, ben, give me yeah. your, your back four and front three, you think yeah.
1: So Yep, so my back four is the same other than I would put Johnny in there. Um, and again, it's a toss-up, but I would go Ballard um, with, with Johnny. Now, I know people will, will make the argument that Johnny's not played a lot of football. However, I would probably point to the to the league game um, where he came in and was an absolute Rolls-Royce after having not played a lot of football either. Um, and I've every confidence that he can do that, that's obviously without knowing his actual fitness levels. So, yeah, so it's Shane Ferguson, it's Johnny, it's Ballard, and it's Hume. And, and then I'm did. sorry, my front From three. So I've gone Kennedy. Um, I don't expect it, but I've gone Kennedy and I've gone Gavin White. Again, hasn't played a lot of football, but can be effective. I think the pace will be important. Um, and then I'm going with Charles up front. Um
2: Charles up front, I think, is the is the only real answer you have to have. Mm -hmm. He's what seventeen goals this season?
0: Yep, fifteen in the league doing really well we've got this conversation that we always have with the strikers it wouldn't be a 2016 preview without a, a striker to be <laughs> but we've always got strikers scoring at league one level and we've never got strikers scoring at championship level so yeah a few stats on that uh, Josh mainly off the bench for, for bottom of the championship Wigan's got one goal this season um, in August but, but uh, yeah but as we know <laughs> as you know he's, he's going to be an option Washington has played well for Northern Ireland recently under Barakoff certainly was probably our number one striker I would have thought yep. was starting for, for Rotherham here 20th in the championship on the bench lately but does have five championship goals which isn't a bad return for, for that division you know we've, it's probably actually slightly above what we've had aside from Lavery uh, mm-hmm. in that league in the last 10 years Deion Charles as we've mentioned 15 league one goals and something I'm interested in and I actually think he's going to throw him in and I'll be really excited to see it Deal Taylor since he's gone unknown to Burton Albion has scored four goals in 10 which is a, yep. a decent return playing well getting assists and a, a, a double yesterday you know, so it, it I actually I actually think he's going to go three five two. It wouldn't necessarily be what I would do, but I think he is going to go three five two, and I think he's going to go for um. Well, I would go for Charles and Taylor. I think he might go for McGinnis and Taylor. we're still to see what what Michael thinks. McGinnis of and Charles. Taylor, I as opposed to Michael McGinnis. For,
2: and instead of you you think he's going to go for Dale Taylor instead of the? I Child. think he
0: might throw Dale Taylor into this. You know. Well.
1: Wow. Yeah. And I, I, I could see given the opposition, it's a perfect game to throw him in. Um I, I'd be shocked though, I must say, I'd be shocked if McGinnis doesn't play. Yeah. Um I'm not saying that's that's a bad thing. I wouldn't do it, but I'd be shocked if he doesn't play. I would go for
2: Do you for, think
0: just go on sorry? I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly name my back five. I'll come back to you. Sure. I would go for Bradley um on the on the on right wing back. I'd go for Ferguson left wing back but as I say wouldn't shock me if he puts the arm around Lewis and says go ahead San Marino you know bomb forward and, and see what you can get um, and my back three would be if if we can get Evans fitting for me for this game you get Evans 100% for Finland if that means giving Evans 15 minutes you do it if it's 30 minutes you do it if it's 60 minutes you do it that would be my take on this he can probably do the 90 minutes because let's be honest he should be able to stroll through this game in theory famous last words viral clip in the making but that th- I would go for Johnny Evans I would go for Ballard and I would probably go for, uh, well, I would, um, yeah, I would go for Cathcart uh, because I want McNair in the midfield, but again, wouldn't shock me if he yes. just goes for Paddy McNair in that back three for those overlapping runs. Um, so, there's yeah, there's a bit of a difference in what we would do and what, what Michael would do. Wouldn't actually shock me um, if he if uh, if uh, if Johnny Evans wasn't able to start this game, if he threw Owen Toll in, actually, playing in the back three for Bolton. Obviously, he's come over from the the League of Ireland this summer, didn't play at the start but he's obviously worked his way in and impressed in training so another one I I wouldn't mind seeing at all Um, sorry Stuart I I cut across you there what were you going to say?
2: No I think to me you make a really good point Johnny Evans has to play some part of this game and I would like to see him come on maybe the last 15-20 minutes um, maybe give Cathcart a break know and and, and come in and you know to Ben's point sit alongside with 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 Ballard as well because the reality is we might only have a number of games for Ballard to learn off Johnny Evans and and you really want to take as many opportunities as you can. And I feel you know he hasn't started a game since October. You want him to get minutes under his belt where 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 possible. Um, So yeah hopefully he will come in. I was going to ask just from a width perspective, do you think Michael was wrong not to bring in Jordan Jones or Niall McGinn? Due to the width that they can
0: give us, yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, I I would have, I would have probably kept Niall McGinn in the squad. I think he can always be effective in some way. He always has a goal in him as well. Uh, I'm not sure how he's playing in the Irish League. I think he's doing okay. He's scoring a few goals. Scor- 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 score a couple of, yesterday. I, I, I guess you know he'll probably, he probably he probably has McMenamin in in the way that he had Lavery in the idea that he can go to a higher level and can be a member of the squad in the future. Whereas Niall McGinn's not going to go back across the water at this point, so maybe he's just thinking pragmatically from that point of view. I'm not sure. Um, We'll do the midfield then to finish off, guys. Uh, It's an interesting one. Not a a plethora of midfielders in the squad by any stretch of the imagination. I'll put it out there. I think he will go for um, Savile McNair and Thompson. Uh, he'll play Savile in the sixth where he's been playing for Millwall all season they're sixth in the championship as well so they could potentially go up whether he stays there if they do go up I'm not sure although he's been playing in a two so if he's going for a three in midfield then obviously Savile's there on his own does he have the defensive nice about him all this is just you know I guess to come and I suppose it would be it's, it's one of those where you know we're not going to see an awful lot of we're not going to have that question answered against San and put it that way um I think he'll go McNair. He's out of favour at Middlesbrough, but he probably is our most creative midfielder, notwithstanding the likes of Charles and you know McGinn who we haven't seen yet. Jordan Thompson's in and out from mid-table Stoke. So while all playing at Championship level. That should be a midfield that, that gets us through this game. But do, I guess, do we need Jimmy for this one, Ben? Do we need him? He's probably not going to score a goal. He's probably never going to score a goal. If he is, it's probably in this game. Or do you kind of go down the route of three attack-minded midfielders?
1: No, I I think, well, the first thing I think is that McNair, you said there about potentially being the back, uh, back five. I think it is imperative that in this game, given what is missing from our midfield, that we'll have McNair in that midfield. Um, you know I think creative and organisational um, and it's it's set play certainly need to improve on what they have been of late for Northern Ireland but I think it's important for him to go in there but I think we need a balance I think we need um, I could see him as you said as well going Thompson Savalman there but I think we need a wee bit of creativity in there Um, and given the opposition that's quite a quite a Defensive minded. I, of course, they can get forward, and as we see, Savile is wonderful at getting forward and, and, and finding space in that box. But yeah, it's never going to happen. Um, so, so I would go um, with Savile. We play him. I would play McNair, and I would probably be interested to see, like, some again, um in there. Um, just again, the opposition. This is a perfect opportunity to go in there to have a look at someone. Um, and, and you know, you, you'll have other players on the bench. I, would, I wouldn't be totally opposed to seeing Charles either um, at, at some point in the midfield. I, a little bit hypocritical, given that I said I wouldn't play Lewis, given that he isn't playing, you know, to then to then throw him in there. So maybe a weakness. necessarily at start At least under 23
0: levels, Ben, which is the thing. And no, it's not first in football. I know yeah. it's a different ball game, but he is actually running around as some sort of match fitness, whereas Lewis is none. He's been yeah. sitting on the bench for Newcastle the whole time. It, it's one of these, sure, where it actually wouldn't surprise me if you look at the, the, the players we've mentioned there. And I've said I would play, uh, or whether I would play, or whether I think you'll play McNair, savill and Thompson. If you threw Goss and McGee and Shea Charles in there, it actually wouldn't surprise me to see any of the six of them on the team sheet, to be completely honest. I don't think you'd go Isaac Price. But Shea Charles, you know, was probably one of our, our more impressive players in the last Nations League, played in the six showed himself to be good enough. And if you're going to throw him in at any point in this international break, you're probably going to do it um, against San Marino. But I can see see Ben's point about throwing him again in an attacking midfielder, scores goals. Um, You know, as I say, the the other players we have reeled off aren't necessarily renowned for their goal-scoring ability. Um, The only thing is he does like Thompson. He signed Thompson for Stoke, um, quite surprisingly, from League One and and played him quite a lot. and, and, And Thompson's still you know, decently rated by 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 some of the supporters that still play at Stoke Planet Championship yeah. level. So it would really surprise me if he doesn't play Thompson.
2: So I think if you're doing the four four three, you know, and as you say, it's to the back line, if you've got say Connor Bradley and Josh out wide with Dion Charles up top, I think McNair absolutely starts. I think George Sable absolutely starts. And for me it's between Thompson and Goss. Um, I think Goss has been more consistent this season um, in terms of games. than McGain. I think he can maybe offer a bit of um, a bit of hold in midfield that might allow McNair to go further forward. McNair can score goals for us as he's proven um, in the past. He can, can create things like him and sure, Dallas are our engines. Whatever they've done, they've been able. You know the games that they've done in the past, they, they cover so much ground. Um, one thing about Michael, he doesn't do sentiment. He just doesn't. And I feel that he isn't just picking a team to beat San Marino. I think he's also going to be picking the team that will get some form of cohesion going into the Finland game as well. He is very much a game at a time. I don't think he's necessarily going to be thinking too far down the line. But I think that will Shea Charles play against Finland? I don't think so. Would McGee play against Finland? I don't think so. I think that the idea is to get a team that will get a bit of balance to it, a bit of continuity to it that can go in. Win this game and then go on to the next one. So for me, it will be McNair, Saville, Thompson, or Goss. Um, but I think probably Thompson will get the get the nod.
1: See, yeah. Stuart, well, while well, I while well, I agree with you in terms of Will yeah. McGeehan play against Finland, probably not. However, mm. there's no with that midfield and what we have. I don't think there's anyone nailed on, and particularly in that sort of attacking role that. It will he yes. play against Finland if he plays against San Marino and he really impacts the game? Then I don't think we'll it's play. out of the question that yeah. they could, you know. So, no, it's just on Goss, and,
2: yeah. just sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I, I, I take your point absolutely. People can play themselves into this, so and I, I do I suppose it's horses for courses to use that all phrase. And I suppose he's not going to pick a San Marino team based on what he's going to do in Finland, he might pick the Finland team based on what happened against San Marino, which is a far more likely situation to 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 what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I just thought maybe minutes, you know, McGehan's... Uh, sorry, Goss has played nearly twice as many games as McGehan this season. You know, he might be a bit sharper, a bit better. Um, might be in a better form uh, coming into it. But I, I think the tried and tested of of McNair, Saville and Thompson probably seems the most um, likely outcome in terms of what he'll do. When I
1: look at when I look at Goss, now I think he's a good addition to the squad. Um, and I'm I'm not claiming to be the greatest expert on on Sean Goss, but having watched him, I mean I watched him yesterday from Motherwell against Rangers. I don't look at him as certainly better than than what we have uh, in midfield. I I, I see him as a very um, tidy player and also he's a very hard working and energetic player. Um, But I I maybe see him more more fitting into that sort of Saville, um Thompson sort of mode that Daniel mm-hmm. um and and maybe maybe giving us giving us more from that point of view. I think he's he is a good addition um, and and adds a bit of depth. But I, I'm not sure that he's at this minute. In time. The, the good the good thing is that he's playing regular football, which which isn't the case for most. Yeah,
0: yeah. All fair points. Um, just quickly for me, I think you know. We can talk about it as sort of getting ready for Finland, but make make no mistake about it. Mike Looney will be picking the team to beat San Marino, who will not take that for granted. And 2017 will have um will have, have have put the feelers up him a little bit in that respect. You know, he needs to get that right from the start you need to win that midfield battle. And we talk about sort of three attacking midfielders. What we didn't do in 2017 was win the midfield battle. You win the midfield battle and earn the right to play. You don't just have the right to play right from the start, even against the San Marino, as I say. So, you know, maybe those, maybe it's tried and tested in there uh, will we'll probably be the best. But we'll see when the team comes out on Thursday evening. Um, just quickly, uh, from both of you, a score prediction and would you take four points from San Marino away and Finland home? Ben, you first. He's frozen. Stuart, you first.
1: Uh, score
2: prediction.
0: <laughs> he's come back and he's frozen again. Go on, Stuart. <laughs>
2: Um, I would say four points. Uh, you probably would right now, based off based off all the factors that we've talked about, players missing, form, etc. I, I think I'd probably be seven out of ten happy with it. Um, but we have to beat San Marino first and foremost. Um, and I suppose I suppose the the Finland game should take care of itself. Not that you're certainly going to guarantee a win, but. If we have any, and again, I hate using these cliches, but if you have any desire to qualify, you have to be winning your home matches against the teams around you. So I, I think we, I really want us to be confident. We haven't won back-to-back games since 2019. But if we're going to do it, these are the two games to do it. So I will be, I'm, I'm edging towards a, a six-pointer.
0: Yeah, you know, it would slightly disappoint me, Ben, if we if we didn't take six points from these. You know, four points will keep us in the mix. But as you say, you then have to go to Finland and probably get something. You have to go to Kazakhstan and get something which is no guarantee. You have to go to Slovenia and get something that's no guarantee. And that's before we even talk about, you know, Denmark, in theory, should clean up, but Finland beat them at the European Championships. It's a, a Scandinavian derby there, whether that plays a part, will Finland take more points off Denmark than the rest of the teams. I don't know. I'd probably be five or six out of 10 happy with four points. It would be no disaster. It wouldn't be like drawing to Bulgaria at the start of the campaign like we did last time. Um, but it would keep us in the mix. So, yeah, score prediction and, and, and where do you stand on the four-point question?
1: Yeah, uh, 3-0 is score prediction for for the San Marino game. Um, I'd, agree with, I'd agree with Stuart and, and yourself there. I, I wouldn't be devastated and hard Broken with with four, If, as I said earlier, if we have the I mean, any ambitions of qualifying, we need to win our home games. So, uh, you know, I, I think we need six points.
0: Yeah, I agree. OK, happy days. Uh, well, let's hope that Northern Ireland are top of the group on Thursday night. That will mean a convincing win. Um, We'll give my score prediction. I think we'll win 2-0 and it'll be a nice little 2-0 and hopefully a good performance as well, because that's what we're mainly expecting. We expect that win over San Marino so thank you very much for listening thanks lads for coming on uh, Pete and ben, sorry Pete and, uh, Pete and Dave will be doing the post match show uh, against uh, for, the, for the game against San Marino we will hope to get something out for Finland I know it's a quick turnaround but we'll try and do something on the Friday night there uh, if the lads are available and we'll obviously have a post-Finland show but yeah nice to be back nice to be back after a long layoff A qualification campaign is always exciting and especially as I said at the start when Michael O'Neill is back. So let's all enjoy it together. And uh, yeah, like, subscribe, follow Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Uh, And let's go on this journey together. Up the gawa.